Hmm. Well, they said they're on their way to uh, the bend for next weekend, so they should be in Adelaide by about now. I wonder how they're doing. Huh. That must be a message. Let me just check this out. Stuck in Woomera. What the hell are they doing in Woomera? Ugh. Well, the good news is nothing bad's ever happened to a supercar team when they've gone to Woomera. Yes, welcome to the all-new racing cars, rebranded and ready to rock. For those who aren't aware, we are changing things up a bit and delving into other areas of the racing scene, but it won't be that different. Basically, the idea is new content, new segments, new categories, and the same old crap from us. And while there will be a new emphasis, the centre of the racing universe is supercars. And if you don't believe me, ask them. So our race review takes us to Eastern Creek, near the tip where it smells, for the Red Rooster Sydney Super Night Race, held a few weeks ago. 300 points were up for grabs over a single race, and the commentary team word of the day was gamesmanship. Uh, I must have said that a few dozen times. Anyway, so in keeping with the uh, new fresh perspective, we're uh, not going to do a blow-by-blow -blow exhaustive review like we have before. I'm just going to hit the main points from the shortened weekend. Uh, first place is first. The Giz Winion took out the race from Jamie Winkup and Scotty Mack, but partly with some help from a late safety car. Okay, as much as we've given stick to the um, Sydney Motorsport Park and the layout and everything else, it did actually look really good under lights and the stands did look full. The Supernight concept really worked. Uh, he's hoping they don't run it into the ground, although everyone's pretty cynical about the fact that they probably will. In terms of um, the cars themselves, I spotted some um, Coca-Cola signage on the front guard of the 23 Red car which is interesting. Uh, 23 Red seems to have, have a nice little budget building, uh, given how much Milwaukee is allegedly putting in. Um, I should probably expand on that a little bit. Milwaukee was absolutely desperate to uh, get involved in supercars because uh, they're trying to take number one spot over um, their competitors in the tool market. And uh, they were pretty desperate to get on a side of a car at uh, this point last year. So they... Paid a little bit over the odds, I'm told, from um, what 23 Red or what was formerly known as LDM probably should have been getting. But anyway, uh, qualifying was as predictable as ever with uh, Jandal nabbing Poland, the Red Bull car's hot on his tail. Yes, boys and girls, the Triple Eight pace is for real. It's for damn real. The only surprise up front was Fabs joining in on the fast times. Uh, actually, Fabs. Did a pretty good job in qualifying and then fell off in the race, which is a bit of a reversal of his usual MO. Uh, although, having been signed for another year, he's probably got himself a confidence boost. And, I don't know, as far as a, num a capable number two is concerned, I don't know that you could do much better. Off the line, there was a wall of shell until uh, SVG and Winnie Reds got fabs. Scaife says now it's on, because at the start it was all polite and stuff. Eh, he really went on with some crap. Uh, it got worse as Crompton prattled on about Lounge retiring again. Uh, here we go. Heimgarten ran Garth out of road. Courtney tried to run Lounge off the road. And it was Slade's off at two that was helped by Waters. So no news there really. The mid-pack shuffle was its uh, usual hectic self. 
The first round of three compulsory pit stops was standard fare, except for Nissan on Nissan contact on pit exit, with Caruso hitting Kelly and Pi, undercutting everyone to take the effective lead. So yes, Neil. Which means the undercut is on. And then it didn't work so well when early stoppers like Pi and Reynolds shuffled back, and Reynolds was shuffled further back when he outbraked himself into two and let Fabs by. <laughs> the real reason is I'm just a com- just did a complete move. Laz was the first of the two stoppers. The camera focused on Pi and Chaz battling hard but fair, but we had to hear about 1996 and Lowndes again. Are we going to be subjected to this crap for the rest of the year? I suspect the answer is yes. Blanchard passes Garth until he cops a five-second penalty for serving him, which I don't think matters. Garth had an absolute shocker. Since the uh, podium result at Adelaide, he has really fallen off the face of the earth. Mid-race was reasonably dull until both soccer team cars shit their front-left suspension. Crompton hit uh, Big Daz's threshold as pain as Lance and Scotty Mack went in and ignored the massive failures. He was disappointed when Scotty came out in front of Lance too. Um, they're really pushing an agenda with Craig Lands at the moment, and I realise that he's one of the more popular drivers in the series, but give it a rest, guys, seriously. Slightly less sedate was um, Hazelwood's wing damaging itself and then blowing off with predictable results. On the plus side, he went off and spun without personal damage, but sadly it gave the late stoppers a jump on those that had already gone. Um, it was a very delicately poised race at that point, but uh, the early stoppers really got stuffed on that one because... Under yellow, uh, your, Viz- your Van Gisbergens, your Win Cups, and uh, the others that uh, hadn't stopped yet were really advantaged by that. Um, speaking of, both Red Bull cars gained positions on the restart, while Caruso and De Pasquale went at it again with uh, similar results to Townsville. Anton's having an awful mid-year. Uh, Erebus has really fallen off uh, the face of the earth along with uh, Garth at, the, at this point of the year. It's uh, kind of surprising, because I would have thought they would have been able to hang on to what pace they did have. But unfortunately, that doesn't seem to have happened. Uh, Fabs ran wide off a curb and ended up with a buckled rim, which sounds very painful. I think he probably should have been seen a doctor for that. Uh, Scotty Mack up front, his teammate, uh, started ripping pages out of the John Bauer defensive driving manual in uh, blocking a surging uh, Van Giz fresh tyre. Uh, the Triple Eight car eventually served him, but the Shell Falcon kept the lead, so SVG took to the grass. It was a bit desperate up front. It was very, very tight. Uh, the two title protagonists sort of clipped it closer to the edge than usual, but didn't go over, which is a nice change because I can imagine a couple of drivers that uh, would have served each other. After multiple attempts, SVG finally gave Jandal the checkmate into four and then buggered off into the darkness. He had a ton of speed over the uh, Shell Falcon and it really showed uh, in the final sector of the race. Behind them, Cappy on green tyres squeezed under lands onto the main straight. He then tore chunks out of the 17 car before taking second over Corporate Hill in what was a very daring and unusually risky move for Win Cup. Uh, but that just shows how absolutely stuffed uh, Jandal's tyres were. And so, SVG took his fifth win of the year from the Capster and the Jandalier. Gap in the title drops to 89 points, and uh, next up is the Bend OTR Super Sprint, which I will preview a bit later in the show. So, good, meh, and ugly time. Good. 
Obviously, have to start with Triple Eight. I think they've found form at the right time of the year. It's sort of a reversal in fortune from last year, where uh, they really came alive towards the end of the year. Have they got on top of the uh, ZB finally? Quite possibly have. Ten Sunday replay was effectively the whole race. I really hope they keep that up because two hours time slot after the fact pretty much was every lap of the race. I don't think it was that much longer. So poor FTA viewers didn't miss too much. Hopefully uh, this whole replay the weekend or weekend after or the night after will continue because uh, as someone who's Fox Telly Challenge, uh, I'm quite happy with that. At risk of repeating, we were cynical about the night race concept, but it really worked. It was actually a very good event. Finally gave Eastern Creek some personality, and um, I don't want to say a gimmick, but a gimmick that actually um, attracted crowds. Uh, Eastern Creek struggled for numbers for years, but the grandstands were pretty full. Sort of the all-star race feel with the fireworks and the driver intros and all that sort of thing. It was a bit NASCAR, but if you're going to do entertainment, do it off the track. Do it with the personalities and the stars and the cars and all that. Don't do it with the actual racing. Artificial racing annoys the purest fans like me. And artificial racing will get boring to the people who are fair weather friends. So this is the right way to go. They may probably expand it to a couple more rounds this year. But I hope and pray that I don't run it into the ground. Meh. Uh, well, two suspension failures says the soccer team's in here already. The commentary lounge hysteria cannot be ignored. Uh, there are 26 drivers in the race, guys. You don't have to just go on about one bloke. We will miss him, but if you keep this up, we won't miss him that much. Simona hitting people again. <sighs> if she ends up in that third triple eight car, they're wasting their money. I don't think Simona's going to make it as high as uh, everyone hopes she would. And she certainly won't with um, the way she's driving at the moment. Too many accidents. Just way too many accidents. Uh, the Ugly? Hmm. Russell Engel? <sighs> he needs more makeup. Or no more gaps. I'm not sure which. Best performance for the weekend? Well, it has to go to Shane Van Gisbergen by a lot. Uh, he had the innate pace from uh, flag to flag. Or lights to flag. Sorry, DSO. Yeah. I think he's, he's the obvious man on form at the moment. And that's dangerous coming into the big points paying rounds for anyone that has um, ambitions of taking the championship off him. Uh, hopefully, Shelpensky hits back, but we will wait and see. And I think I can hear an old man. So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. G'day race fans, Podcast DSO here. Are you interested in road tripping to the next Supercars event? Are you happy to put up with the driver's crappy playlists? Are you interested in support categories? If the answer to all of these questions is yes, hit up my Facebook page, www.facebook.com backslash podcast DSO. Have I got a travel deal for you?
Yes, welcome back to the Racing Cast. Uh, quick plugs. The podcast DSO can be found at Woomera or at www.facebook.com slash podcast DSO. And I can be found at the newly updated www.facebook.com slash racing insiders. Anyway, as part of our emphasis on all Australian racing, here is the rebranded series wrap. Uh, we're not calling it um, Roundup anymore because Monsanto is being sued for billions and was taken over by Bayer and they stopped paying us. What do you mean stop paying us? I never saw a cent of that money. If indeed they were paying us at all. I knew you were stooging me. Uh, first up, we missed something super from Ipswich, something our resident experts flipped over. Yes, it's Spanner and Nugget. Right, uh, g'day blokes, it's uh, me, Nugget. Uh, I'm running solo today because uh, Spanner contracted narcolepsy from the layout of uh, Queensland Raceway, and uh, he's on a bit of a sickie, I think. Uh, I reckon he is off at the golf course, actually, but uh, screw him. Screw you, I don't even f***ing play golf. Uh, only one thing's woken him up since then. Uh, the Michael Cedars flips on the uh, first lap of the last race. In fact, the only thing more interesting than that was uh, Cedars' mullet. I had one just like it when I were in a little nugget. I kept trying to convince um, Scroty to grow his hair out a bit, but he, he reckons it's not fashionable. Mate, next you'll be saying he wants to keep his own teeth. Anyway, the Colorado of uh, Tom Alexander and... Ryle Harris's BT50 won a race each, while uh, Craig Harris and the Hilux found his way through the chaos in the last race and won the round. He was about as happy and flipping about as much as Cedars was. Now, hopefully Spanner will uh, be back before the next round of exciting ute racing action. So, uh, yeah, we're a bit short and we're a bit done. Uh, back to you in the central missionary position. The central commentary position, you pigeon-toed pea-brain. Anyway, that big big shout out to uh, the three people that got that. Uh, staying at the most boring track in the cosmos, Formula 4 joined the uh, Supercars bill and reigning Formula Ford champion Jaden Juice OJ to swept the weekend. Point of order, Mr. Speaker. <clears throat> Juice OJ is not the reigning Formula Ford champion. That would be Max Vidal from Porsches. Um, I know a little bit about Formula Ford. I uh, think he's on his way to uh, Formula 4 Championship because I don't see uh, anyone else getting near him. Cam Shields, who's his main competitor, was behind him, but he kept wondering why his Formula Ford had wings on it. He's uh, driving in a few series this year and is very competitive in all of them. It is an unusual way to go driving, I think it's three types of car at once, but the pure financial horsepower required to do it is there, and he has been ultra-competitive in everything. Uh, next up, he's back in the Formula Ford for the series round at the bend. Finally, for the Supercars round catch-up from Ipswich, it's the V8 Touring Car Series, whose three races were split by MW Motorsport teammates Zach Best and Tyler Everingham. John McCorkendale in the older BF Falcon was third, which was first of the older generation equipment, and uh, all three of them, I think, are aspiring to Super 2 next year and certainly deserve a spot there. The uh, seam is rich with racers wanting to go up levels in supercars. A week later, the Shannon's Nationals visited the paperclip as well, as is tradition considering the additional crash barrier situation and the uh, camp sanctioning thereof. Uh, the DSO will beat me if I don't discuss sports sedans. So it was an unusual weekend. Uh, not a good weekend for new Goulet Audi pilot Kerry Bailey, 
who's been around forever and replaces Jack Perkins in that car. Or the oldest race car in the cosmos, the Ricky Adello Alpha, both of whom non-scored for the whole weekend. Uh, and Alpha broke down. Yeah, I'm not surprised either. Super 2 regular Tom Randall also non-finished the first race, but won the second and third. Tomasi took out the first race and sewed up two seconds to win the round in the Holden Calibra. More Opals in with different badges in local racing. Oh, uh, dear. Yeah, first we had the Astros at Bathurst, then we had the Calibra Sports Sedans. Now we've got the bloody ZB. Sad, really, isn't it? Okay, getting away from um, the paperclip, we travel south to Sydney Motorsport Park, which hosted a lot of Porsche racing on the Supercars Race Weekend with Carrera Cup Australia joined by Carrera Cup Asia and the Australian GT Championship. The Carrera Cup Asia Weekend podium was taken out by the very Asian-sounding names of Philip Hamprecht, Maxime Juice, and Martin Raginger. It's probably just as well the tie drivers didn't do better because their names are difficult to say. But I learned Chris Vanderdrift and Paul Tresseter from the Double Hill Climb and Will Bamber is Earl Bamber's brother. Uh, Chris Vanderdrift, by the way, I'm absolutely certain owns the best name in current racing. Meanwhile, in Carrera Cup Australia, James Moffat is peaking at the right time for his Enduro co-drives and took two seconds to end up equal with race one winner Dylan O'Keefe. Race two winner was Jordan Love. Meanwhile, further back, the Battle of the Wood Brothers was won by Glenn after Dale didn't have the wood on anyone. He had a shocking weekend and only banked 37 points. And Stephen Grove didn't drive into the medical car. So good effort there, Stephen. We're never going to stop giving you grief for doing that, by the way. Uh, there were seven different brands in the top eight of a racing category. So we'd have to be talking about the Australian GT Championship now. The three races were dominated by the Walkinshaw Porsche of Liam Talbot and the Eggleston Merck GT of Peter Hackett. The moral winner was Talbot, who came back from further back after two close qualifying sessions that were both taken out by Hackett. So there's your uh, brief, brief and quick roundup. Uh, we're not wasting too much time talking rubbish this time because no one else is here to bother me. I'm going to pause you there, Warbster, because uh, I'm going to throw this one in at post-production. Just a quick update on round four of the National Formula Ford series held at Sandown a few weeks ago. Saw some new faces in the winner's circle with... Spectrum driver Liam McClelland taking race one in a typical safety car shortened Sandown race. Series leader Hunter McElray drove from ninth position to take the win in race two. And unfortunately, race three was uh, cut short by a fairly substantial accident on the back straight involving three competitors. Uh, but that certainly didn't deter from uh, privateer entry Zach Souter in his Miguel taking race three and also taking the round win. That'd make him the first privateer round winner since current Porsche racer Cameron Hill back in 2015. And just for reference, everybody, the reason you're not hearing me in the podcast with the Warbster, uh, other than my uh, post-production recording snippets, I've had a fairly busy couple of weeks. And uh, I'm off to the bend this weekend as part of my uh, other duties uh, that I do on race weekends. So looking forward to getting back with the Warbster and getting the show back on the road. I'll throw it back to you, mate. And uh, as this isn't a full episode, we'll be holding over the audience challenge segment until next time. And instead, I want to talk about a bit of a pet hate that's of mine in the new segment called, You Know What Really Grinds My Gears? You know what really grinds my gears? People in the 19th century. 
Why don't they get with the freaking program? It's called an automobile, folks. It's much faster than a horse. Oh, fuck you. You know what really grinds my gears, boys and girls? Control parts. All we've heard about since the beginning of the control part era, which I think came in with Project Blueprint when they started uh, putting in compulsory specifications, is that it's all in the name of equalizing the field and it's all in the name of cost saving. I can get on board with that. What I have a problem with is when the parts chosen are insufficient, incapable, or problematic. Take, for example, this business uh, in the last week that has been revealed that all supercar teams participating in the Bathurst 1000 will need to change brake rotors. This is because of a failure that occurred on Mark Winterbottom's car recently, and to me, it's just rubbish. If the Control brake package fails to the point that they need to put in an addendum to the regulations for Bathurst that they need to change the rotors, then the product's not good enough. And if the product's not good enough, it shouldn't be part of the package. It shouldn't be part of the car. They've been making brake rotors last the whole race since the 60s. Hell, Larry Perkins won the race in 1995 because he didn't need to change pads at all. The braking system was the same at the end as it was at the start. That's what won him the race. If you cannot produce a product that's good enough, you shouldn't be A, selling them, and B, mandated to use them. I'm going to go a bit deeper. Let's talk about the Albans transmission, or transaxle, I should say, in the back of the cars. Again, another one that's had multiple failures. Courtney in uh, Phillip Island springs to mind immediately, and they're all forced to use it. Furthermore, with all of these weight savings, the Albans transaxle was actually a new part for uh, the Gen 2 car of the future, call it what you will. It was a mandatory part, and nobody used them. They used to use the Hollinger transmissions. So how is that a cost saving when you're having a virtually throw away the transmissions gearboxes slash transmissions and diffs and whatnot that you've been using for years and having to go to a new part because from what i can recall i think everyone used hollingers and the hollingers were bomb proof so where are you saving money another note to mention and i did hint at this on the um racing insiders page the specification for the transaxle was written by a certain man now i'm not going to name him but he doesn't do a very good job at commentary. There's your hint. And he happened to be very good friends with a former teammate in one of his previous iterations as a driver, who now is a big wig in Albans, Australia. So the man writing the regulations possibly may have rigged it in the direction that the bloke that it was his mate was the only one who could win the contract. And therefore the obvious competitor who didn't have a product like that and didn't have time to work something up might have been squeezed out completely. I'm going to let you uh, do the dots on that one, but uh, yeah, basically the bidding process on that one was rigged. Uh, the brake control package, I haven't heard anything bad about, but we've had problems with the brakes since they were homologated. It seems like every year something weird happens at Bathurst. I'm pretty sure they don't get along with the tires terribly well. And to me, it's all a bit of a mess. If you're going to have a bidding process, have a bidding process and let the best product win. If the product that you have selected on the basis of cost is insufficient, then you're not saving any money. Especially when, as I said before, the team's already had inventory from previous iterations of the cars. Now, to a certain degree, yes, motor racing is expensive and it always will be. And I look at it as control parts do not change that. They just close the window on where the money's going to be spent. 
because the money is going to be spent. It doesn't matter. If they've got five bucks, they're probably going to throw it on something. They're not going to save it. The rich will always be the rich. The poor will always be the poor. Now, I don't advocate going back to a situation where everything was open because they had open tie regulations and Bridgestone stuffed the series by blatantly favoring the Holden Racing Team. But by the same token, these cars are more expensive than ever, and that was not the idea. And what really grinds my gears, no one's open to admitting it. Anyway, I think uh, I can hear an old man again. So we need to go safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags, safety car boards and flags. Oh, hi there. I'm Liam. Hyundai sports sedan driver and international model. You know, minimum weight limits can be a bummer when you're racing, but instead of reaching for that ballast, reach for a Liam's Pie. Liam's Pies can get your weight where it belongs, the driver's seat. Our delicious and high carbohydrate pies and pastry products will help you get the competitive advantage. Sit down in your Sparco and enjoy the goodness of meat and things that are awfully good. Insist on Liam's Pies to your team. And welcome back once more to the racing cast. And uh, hard to believe there was an actual ad in there for once. Anyway, last part of the racing cast before I let you good people go. And into the last sprint round before the best time of the year, enduro season. And we're off to the middle of BF Nowhere for the Bend OTR Super Sprint. Between sponsoring the race and owning the track, the Sheen family has dropped a bundle making this happen. And I personally hope it's a raging success for them because building a permanent track in this country is one of the better things that can happen. Um, aside from all the driver safety aspects, all of the ability to run other meetings and everything else, uh, it is a bloody expensive exercise and I'm glad somebody actually stepped up and did it. Uh, I know that it's been mooted for a very long time and that Tail and Bend was a facility that was ripe for it and uh, they did shortcut a bit of the process in taking Tail and Bend over, but they deserve all the credit in the world for bringing another level two track to Australia. Speaking of the new track, it could spring some surprises results-wise if one of the smaller teams gets their heads around it early enough. Uh, I don't need to remind you that uh, the book was put on its head to a certain degree for a long time in Newcastle before the uh, usual firepower got their way up front. So hopefully it's the same uh, this year. Uh, the driver will matter more than usual. So best car doesn't necessarily mean you'll get the best result. And while the GT round earlier this year will help the drivers who race there a little, I agree with um, Garth Tander in his assertion that it shouldn't be that big of a deal in the end. At the end of the day, these guys are professional racing drivers and uh, it's a circuit like any other circuit. Okay, it's going to be a bit green and you're going to take some familiarization, but at the end of the day, within a half a dozen laps, they should be pretty well close to the edge. I'm not really going to... Um, say anything based upon the form book because I don't think it really matters at this point. However, I do think the usual suspects will be up front. Certainly, um, Triple Eight and Shell Falcons will uh, predominate the front few rows of the grid, but we'll wait and see what happens behind that because it really could be a few shock results there. Uh, three to look out for. 
And I've given Simona plenty of stick, and Simona's given the panels of other cars plenty of stick, but uh, she won't pull a similar surprise to Newcastle last year, and goodness knows she needs the result. Um, Simona, I was expecting to do a lot better than she has this year. Now, I understand someone's got to be up the back of the grid, but I was kind of of the opinion in sort of January, February, it wasn't going to be her. Boy, were we ever wrong. Chaz is on the upswing, and hopefully that continues. The reigning Pertec Enduro Cup champion is looking to salvage something from his season, and this is the time of year to do it. Chaz has looked really dangerous in both Ipswich and Townsville. Didn't look quite as dangerous in um, Sydney, but Tickford Racing fell off the face of the planet at that point. I suppose the sentimental favourite has to be Craig Lowndes, and it's not purely based on sentiment because he is on absolutely brilliant form and has to break through for another win sooner or later. If it's not this, and he looks good at Sandown, I'd be putting a few quid on him for Bathurst, I reckon, because uh, Steve Richards knows how to punt a car around there, and uh, Lowndes be the, be the best send-off he could think of winning Bathurst. Will the years of experience help here? Possibly. Um, you could throw GT into that category as well, and ho- hopefully um, Lance gets the better of the Red Bull duo, because uh, in the popularity contest, yeah, never mind. Heart pick. Erebus need to counterpunch and fight back. Dave's championship is gone. He's, I think he's dropped to seventh or uh, eighth at the moment. You're selling my boy short. He's only fifth. But they can still be a force in selected races. The reigning Bathurst champion's probably looking forward to the Enduros as much as I am, because uh, as everybody knows, Sandown goes to the form guide to a degree, but Bathurst is a whole separate kettle of fish. Triple uh, A getting their stuff together has been at their expense. Uh, they certainly don't have the financial ability to keep up with the development pace that I suspect Triple Eight is taking. And in the end, more money means you've got more opportunity to get it right. So we'll see how Dave goes, but uh, I think he's just going to keep slipping backwards at this part of the year, unfortunately. Uh, very similarly to Welcome to Andretti United. They got on top of the car first, but uh, yeah, other teams are getting on top of their cars more. Head pick. As much as I hate to say it, because he's not my favourite driver, but uh, I reckon Shane Van Gisbergen tightens up the championship point standings going into the three biggest races of the year. Possibly gets the points uh, score down to 30, 40, 50 points. And uh, from that point, to uh, steal a quote from Mark Scaife, it's uh, game on. The second third of this year is turning into a very interesting stoush. And my other tip would be for the end of the year, I think the championship goes down to Newcastle. And I think it goes down to the final race because you've got two drivers at the top of the game. You've got two teams at the top of their game. Now, one struggled and then come back. The other's been on top and then gone down a bit they'll fight back they'll be there another day and i don't think the mustang situation's a problem for um djrtp i don't think it helps but i don't think it's a massive hindrance the next few races will decide the uh, tone and timber for the run home all i know is it's going to be very exciting and we'll be there to tell you all about it so anyway, I think that's us. So the DSO should have started playing some Lake Minnetonka over my voice. Uh, big thank you to the lads and lasses for uh, allowing us to use their music, particularly Adam. And I guess that's it. So I'm out. Bye. <laughs>